The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host, Jim Tofty. I love Dee Dee Pfeiffer, and not just because she's on arguably the hottest show on network TV, Big Sky, but I don't think I've talked to anyone with so much positive energy. She's a mom with two very talented sons. She's had the courage to leave a successful acting career to earn her master's degree in social work. That's no small feat. And just what must it have been like early on in her career to live in the shadow of her older sister, Michelle Pfeiffer. There are more episodes of Big Sky to come in this first season. And by the way, we were left with yet another huge cliffhanger. I've got the wonderful Dee Dee Pfeiffer on the line right now in Canada at exactly the time she said she was going to call me. I'm Dee Dee Pfeiffer. Dee Dee, I love it that everyone is on the internet and they call at the exact time that it says on the computer or phone. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Actually, I wasn't looking at the phone. I was charging my phone. I forgot. And I thought, oh, my phone's going to die in the middle of this interview. (laughs) I can't tell you how happy I am to talk to you because not only because you're acting again, but my gosh, Big Sky, I was so happy to see this series because it kind of came along at a time when there wasn't a lot of new content on TV, I guess. Yeah, you know, you're right. The timing of it was just kind of brilliant. We, I think everyone's just exhausted from COVID. We're just over it. We're done. And here comes Big Sky. At least if you do it like normal people where you watch it once a week, you had something to look forward to. Right. Or you can do the new binging where you just binge your head off, you know, which is super fun because it's such a great show where the cliffhangers and, you know, it's, and, um, it was. It gave people a little bit of an outlet during some challenging times for all of us, you know, flattered and proud to be part of that. You know, I'm really I'm really excited to be part to, to help with that, you know, yeah, it, right now. And yeah. Didi, I'm not usually one to binge, but like you say, there are reasons for wanting to jump right into the next episode. And I'll just, well, we've yeah. got we've got to watch this next one now. <laughs> I mean, I got to tell you, when I read the pilot, <laughs> I, I was like. Oh, uh, my reading disorder must have kicked in. I read that wrong. Went back and read it again, the last three pages, and went, no, I must be missing a page. Looked at the page number, <laughs> and I went, am I reading that right? And I went, oh, this show is going to be crazy if that's how you start the show off, you know, with, with a pilot like that. Um, that and and we, I really feel good that we've been continuously, especially with the new season coming up, I think we're just going to continue on with that where we where we end the episode, you're like, no, no, <laughs> don't don't leave me hanging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and uh, you must be on needles and pins between scripts, I suppose. Well, you know what I have to say. What's really fun about this show is a lot of things. But well, first of all, you know, it's fun being employed. Okay, how about you start <laughs> with the basics? Yeah, <laughs> let's start with that, right? Um, but besides being employed, the, the I have to say, after 30 plus years, even though I took 10 years off to go get a couple of degrees and try to help people, I come back and I'm reading these scripts. And just when I think, oh, I kind of know where it's going, they throw me a curveball. And I'm like, wow, what a what a great group of like smart, creative people that um, if they can even get me throw me off, I know the audience can get thrown off. And that's so fun. Right. 
where I go, oh, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see that one coming. And if I'm saying that, that's a good sign, right? You know, you kind of feel like you've read every script, you know, you know, you know it's coming, right? So what is the situation in terms of filming? Because so many series uh, have been inter- interrupted. Did you get interrupted yeah. because of the pandemic? Oh, dude, yes, we did. <laughs> oh, my God. We started in New Mexico. I'm in Canada now, so it's quite a journey. Oh, right. We started in New Mexico, a uh, whole New Mexico crew, the whole thing. I met the original cast, which were, you know, all the original people there for like a minute. We had a, a roundtable reading. We had wardrobe called pre-production, just getting, you know, hair and makeup and some photos. And just, just a bare minimum, a couple of days. Then I flew home to get my boys all like set. Be like, mom's going back down to New Mexico. You know, I'll be back. I'll be flying back and forth, you know, because my role is kind of small, thank goodness. So I can go back and forth because New Mexico to California is just a hop, skip, and a jump, right? Right. So I'm like about to fly back, and everyone's talking about this pandemic. I don't even know if I, I had to Google it. I'm like, what is that? And then my friend calls me and she goes, when you get to LA, you better go get some toilet paper. And I go, what is wrong with you? What is happening? What do you mean toilet paper? What are you smoking? Are you on crack? <laughs> so I, I call my son and I go, I guess you're supposed to go buy toilet paper. He's like, Mom, we have four rolls. We're fine. I said, no, I don't think that's going to be enough. I think we're going to hit a pandemic. None of us saw this coming, right? We all kind of like, what? I get home. I make the fatal mistake of going to Costco. I'm still traumatized over that. I've never seen a glass like that before. I almost got my arm ripped off reaching in to get, you know, the jumbo pack of the 24 rolls. And I got one of the last five and I almost, it cost me my life. And like I said, I'm still PTSD over it. And then I went home and on a day later, they were like, they were like, don't get, don't come back. And they, they sent all the crew and cast home. And then we like everybody just shut down and we had no idea if we were going to come back where we were going to come back, when we were going to come back. And then we did. And they said, but now we're going, they said, we're coming back. And we were like, oh, that's a close one. But we're going to start shooting in Canada. And we were like, huh? Now we're going to Canada. And that's how that happened. So we were really, so we hadn't filmed except for one teeny scene. Thank goodness. We only had one teeny scene but we literally were like a day from starting and when we got shut down are you in you're in canada now because of the way things were left off because i've I've seen all the episodes up up until now yeah in canada uh where we're at in bc it looks a lot like montana it's so pretty up here and stuff so that's the whole point it's got to look like montana right so and also a lot of a lot of productions are up here because of the um it, they're ready to go up here. It's lots of studios. The exteriors are beautiful, and they can look like a city or, you know, like uh, Montana or whatever. So quite a few productions are up here that could not open in in Los Angeles or in the States, I should say, because the numbers were just outrageous in the States. Right. You know, the numbers were just crazy in the States, that up here in Canada, except for right now, unfortunately, just shut down indoor dining yesterday because the numbers are kind of going up again. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, I'm telling you, it's like this uh, pandemic is just like the gum on the bottom of your shoe, man. You're just like, can you just 
go away. I mean, we're all so done with it, right? I know. Well, and of course, I live in a tourist town, Las Vegas, and so you have that fine balance of wanting to open things up to bring people back, but at the same time, it hasn't gone away, like you say. Well, yeah, I was going to say Las Vegas. Well, in Canada, here in BC, it's very touristy. I mean, very huge tourist um, population, and so they're all getting nailed. I mean, they're just there's no ships coming through here anymore. We the border is closed. Like you just can't get into Canada, and um, it, it, it's affecting everybody big time. It really is, and the um, surge is coming back up over here in Canada. So yeah, I, um, and I I know the border is closed because, like for instance, uh, National Hockey League teams, Canada teams mm-hmm. are not playing teams from the United States yeah. right now. Yeah, um, you know it's interesting being here and watching just the whole dynamics of the Canadian way of dealing with the pandemic and the vaccinations in Washington state. Really interesting perspective, actually. Um, but I will say this, because with my, my children and my animals, I've become very fond of the uh, Canadian birds that come to my little balcony out here. <laughs> yeah. And they have, Jim, they have names. They have, <laughs> oh yeah, I feed them daily. But one's very mouthy. His name is Gilligan. He literally gets really mouthy. Right. If you follow me on Instagram, you can see my little relationship. You can literally see, well, this woman <laughs> is really lonely up there. And because I love animals, you know, but the only animals I'm exposed to are these birds that are now my friends. And if you go to my Instagram, you'll see all of their little stories and the videos I take of them. <laughs> it's my exchanges, our pers- you know, our relationships. They keep me from jumping off the balcony, literally, because they're in the way. I can't jump off oh, the balcony. That is hysterical. <laughs> well, your your character on this show, Denise Brisbane, uh, works, kind of manages the detective agency. And I have to tell you that early on in the series, I was a little suspicious of you being connected <laughs> to the bad guy, Ligarski. <laughs> You know what's so funny, you know, Jim? I don't do in, I don't do social media. I don't even know how to do it. I got Instagram just because my publicist said you need to do this, and I'm like, you're gonna have to show me how to do it. I have no idea how to do it. Yeah. So I don't follow Twitter. I don't do Facebook. I could barely do Instagram. I mean, <laughs> if I unfriend, if you follow me and I unfriend and unfriend you, it's totally an accident. I mean, I push the buttons without my glasses. Right. Don't take a personal. Just 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 send me like a, 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 one of those instant messages going, girl, you unfollowed me or something. I'll be like, oh. The cast were saying early on, you know what they're saying about Denise? And I'm like, no, I have not a clue. What are they saying? Am I going to get fired? And they're like, no, they're saying that you're in on it. And I'm like, what? And they're like, do you think everyone, they think you're in on it? And it's so funny is that we're the last to know. The cast, we're the last to know. And we, we all laughed it off like, yeah, Denise is in on it. And then we were like, well, you know, you never know. Maybe I am in on it. I won't know until I get the script that says so, right? That's fun, though, that people think that I'm in on it. I think it's hysterical. I might be. I don't know. It kind of points to that whole thing about, wow, you're such a nice person. Because, you know, early on, I think Trooper Ligarski just seemed like a, a great, you know, straight ahead type of trooper guy. And then we find out all the things that had happened. Considering the way we set up the show with the pilot. Um, and I, I really get nervous saying what happened in the, in the pilot because for people who haven't seen the show. Right. But considering the, the, the cliffhanger that we leave you with, with the end of the pilot, it sets up the tempo of the show that, it, like, all bets are off. Anybody can get killed. Anybody can be the good guy. Anybody can be the bad guy. It's like you never know. And that's the beauty of the show. And I don't even know. And that's why... I laughed that off going, oh, yeah, Denise is a bad guy. And then I went, hey, wait a minute. 
I could have, they could actually make a script and be like, yeah, let's turn Dean to me. Sure. <laughs> make her back. So that's actually funny. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell you right now. I don't think I am, but I might. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, early on, I thought, but it, as time went on, it just seems like you're the rock of this agency. Yeah. Do you pull, do you pull any of the real life stuff, you know, handling and managing your kids and stuff? It, d- does any of that come through in terms of you being the one that is kind of the rock in that, in that business? Well, I'm a single mom of two boys. I just put myself through. I just actually graduated in 2020, 2020 the year from hell. Um, I actually graduated. <laughs> um, and, and it took me 10 years. But um, raising two boys by myself, in, you know, along the way, I ended up with a social worker degree and a bachelor's of psych. So to say I manage my children, let's put it this way. Do we ever really manage our children? I try to manage my children. I try uh-huh. to be the best mom that I Yeah. You know, I try and I think sometimes I have successful days, other days, not so much. Right. And what I was able to do with Denise, though, which I think is really fun, is I've been able to bring a lot of my social worker skills that I learned along the way in college and my own journey in sobriety. I'm less than three years sober. I'm in recovery for alcoholism. Congratulations. Sober life. I, everyone out there, I'm with you, man. <laughs> we're all white knuckling during this pandemic. Um, but we're doing it. We're doing it, right? And those who are hiccuping, it's okay, man. Get back on. It's all right. So the thing is, is that I'm taking all of these things and I'm, I'm bringing them into Denise, whether it's written in the script or not, I'm playing it. And I'm hoping that that's coming through. And I think it is. I think it is. Which is why you're picking up on little things that I'm not necessarily even saying, but what I'm doing or feeling and um, and with the other characters and um, come, it's, I'm pulling it in from life experience and my social work. To me, I just see you're a bit of a scene stealer because oh, of thank you. because of that. I mean, you you kind of I'm not trying to be a suck up here, but maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> You kind of shine in in the scenes that you do have. I I'm wondering if how scary it was for you to walk away from acting for those years to go back to school. It's it's incredible that you've got a master's degree in social work. I mean, first of all, that's unbelievable. But was it was it at the same time kind of scary? Uh, it, it was all feelings. It was scary. It was exciting. Um, I it's the only thing I'd done since I was eighteen. Um, but I'd done a ton of uh, I was always doing lots of volunteer work for everything from animals to my mom's retirement facility with those, you know, the older population, uh, children in children's hospital, uh, saving seals in the ocean, um, who beat themselves and they're very, they're cute before they're mean, uh, especially when they're hurt, um, bring them to the Marine Mammal Care Center. I was known for picking up deer and all sorts of tarantulas or what, wildlife illegally. I didn't know it was illegal <laughs> to transport, transport them. Hey, if there's an animal on the side of the road, I'm going to help it. I don't know. If, I, I didn't know I need a license to do that. Like I didn't get arrested. But um, you know, I'm just running along LA, just saving anything that you know needs help. And then finally, I hit a point in my career. And again, my boys were young, and honestly, I felt like at that time I saw the industry. I was so loyal to the industry, and I didn't feel like it was very loyal back to me being an aging woman. I saw yeah. men get old and right they're getting the bellies and the balding and the wrinkles and the gray and they're getting sexier and they're getting more employed and that it's the polar opposite when you're we get all pudgy and we start losing our hair and gray and you know wrinkles we get like we're just starving now now we can't you know um financially support yourself especially me financially supporting my sons on my own you know so i was like 
I don't like the message it's sending my son, number one, is that I'm in an industry that treats women like that. And number two, I just really wanted to help people. So I thought, hey, let's go do that thing called go get a degree. Not a clue what I was doing. Not a clue. I walked to a community college and said, hey, I want a degree to help people. And they're like, well, what degree do you want? And I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. They're like, that's not how this works, ma'am. You need to tell us what degree you want. And I'm like, well, I want one of those that helps people. They're like a psychology. I go, yeah, that works. <laughs> so that's kind of how my journey started. Not a clue. I thought it would take a year or two, and then I'd be done. Ten years later, yeah, yeah, um, I had learning disabilities. I because I grew up thinking I was stupid, but I, I was actually in community college that I was assessed for learning disabilities. Once uh, they addressed them, then I got um, help in the disabilities office. I got a little extra time and tests. I got a note taker to help me with notes because I have a processing issue. I had all these amazing things that elevated my academic career, which is interesting in saying that, to going from barely a C student growing up to like A's, all because they helped me realize that I wasn't dumb. I just needed a little extra help, and I learned differently than others. So it was so like, talk about like um, a rebirth. Like I discovered kind of like who I really was in college, and I, but I also had the imposter syndrome the whole time I was there. I was like, this is their backyard, not mine, right? Yeah. Um, I don't I don't belong here. I belong in the back of the room, which is where I always sat. I'm like the mother who in the back of the room will always raise her hand. The kids hated me. They're like, can can Dorothy please put her hand down? We know you you read because I did everything they told me to do. Read the chapter, take the notes, ask them to ask questions. Email your professor, you know, get together with groups. I did everything they told me to do and kids hated me. <laughs> um, and I was like, hey, I'm not in college in my late 40s to, to mess around here. Okay, I'm here to get a degree so I can go back out in the world and help people to, to lead into the next question. Probably you're wondering, how did I go from school, getting my social work degree to acting, back to acting? It was like, a, let me go back a little bit in UCLA I to get my master's. It was a two-year master's uh, degree. Degree I was going for. Yeah, it took me three years. I took a year off in between to get sober and get my head on straight. And that's the truth. And that was probably scarier than going to college and leaving the industry for a minute to go because get, stopping everything in my life to work on myself is something I've never done in my life ever. And I did not know how I was going to make it work, but I just knew that if I didn't address the bigger thing in my life, if I didn't learn how to put the um, oxygen mask on myself first. I was never going to be the mother that I could be to my fullest capacity and certainly not be able to help others until I can help myself. Life changing for me right there. Right. So, and uh, in that year of recovery, I was able to do that and then went back and finished my um, degree. And then, because I'm a little day late, a dollar short, I realized, hey, how am I going to survive a social worker degree? Raising two kids in LA when they're their pay starts like $50,000. Right. You know, yeah. And I thought in LA, oh my God, like where am I, this is no, how am I going to do this? I had no idea. But I knew that if I just kept my um, eye on uh, doing the, the right next indicated action that led me to the light, that, that you know, just um, kept my head on straight, positive, believe in the bigger things that are, you know, bigger than me. When it comes to, for me, that's like good and love and energy and Mother Earth and all that stuff. And then David, my brother-in-law, out of nowhere called me. He never calls me. I didn't even know he had my number. David Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know. I mean, we see each other on holidays, right? I love him. He's my brother-in-law. Right. I love my sister-in-law. But like, I'm not on redial with anybody other than my two sisters, right? 
And even then we text. We don't normally talk because <laughs> we're very busy, <laughs> very busy people. Um, but I see David on holidays. I love him. He loves me. But that's it. Never talk shop. Out of nowhere, I'm doing my last year in my internship at the Department of Mental Health. And he texted me saying, hey, uh, are you still acting? I have a really great role for you. I almost, I almost fainted. I, yeah, of course, the answer was like, Y-E-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S, explanation point, explanation point, you know. And he had no idea at that point that he had thrown me a lifeline at that moment. I had no idea how I was going to make it. After 10 years, I had to pay off all my loans, and I was basically starting all over again. At 50, what am I, 57, 56 years old, I was starting all over again, but with a degree. It took me 10 years to get it, but... I couldn't give up, so I had to show my boys, you're not giving, don't give up. Yeah. And it's interesting, because now going back to acting is another way of not giving up, because I never said I left acting, I said I put a pause on it for a minute, needed to go do something else for a minute. Didn't realize it was going to take 10 years, <laughs> <laughs> but, because again, this is kind of how I am, I'm still like in the moment sometimes, a little too much. <laughs> um, what do you mean it's going to take me years to get a, a, an AA? Ma'am, you can't, you don't even know what algebra is. <laughs> Two plus X equals five. I'm like, that's a typo. Why is there an X in, in there? <laughs> and they're like, oh, Lord, this woman, she, I'm like, you know, I, oh, I have prerequisites. I, I didn't even test into a fifth grader's level of, of education. Cause I graduated yeah. in 82, right? We didn't have computers. We didn't have cell phones. Yes, science dinosaurs were pretty much walking at that point. They'd probably, um, <laughs> yeah. So I literally, they were like, wow, like it's, and then, and then growing up thinking I was stupid on top of that. So um, that's kind of what I, that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. Yeah, well, and, and it's, you've exhausted me just hearing everything, the journey that you've, yeah. <laughs> you've gone through. But you certainly lifted yourself up. There's no doubt about that. When you started in the acting business, did you ask your sister for advice and maybe hang out a little bit on, on the sets that she was on early on in her career? Uh, I was 18 years old. At that point, I had worked thousands of jobs since I was could walk practically. Um, back in that day, there was no such thing as child labor. If you could work and you wanted money, you'd work and that was it. Um, so I was working at tons of jobs through since elementary school, junior high, and then high school. By the time I was 18, I didn't know what I wanted to do. College was not even an option because my family never went to college. I was the first one in my family to go to college later in life. So I just got a job. And so Michelle at that point was doing Scarface. So I was yeah. like, hey, Val, I think I want to try this thing called acting. And she's like, hey, fine. Get your butt into a, a really good acting class. Don't even think about headshots or an agent. But I'll get into a class and see if you even like it. I thought I would try it. Again, here's Dee. I think I'm going to try it and then do really well at it and then get bored and move on. Well, that never happened. I to this day still don't think that I've nailed it or I'm very good at it. It's something that you, I don't think you ever feel like, at least for me, that you ever nail, that you get. You know what I mean? Like a term paper that you write 10 pages, you get the A and you move on. Acting is like constantly changing. I've heard, yeah, I've heard that from other actors who it's just you're constantly honing your craft. Well, it's like, well, life is ever so changing. So as an artist, if you're not ever so changing, then I think that's kind of death as an artist. Once you think you have all the answers, where are you going to grow from there? Right? Where's the excitement from there? Where's the uh, being curious, you know? It's all those kind of uh, elements that make, uh, I think, your performance exciting and fun because if that's how you're looking at life through that lens, right? Yeah. So that's what happened. I, I, and my, my dad did used to call me Dieter Do and a hard head. So I just <laughs> I studied 
studied for two years. I know they were like, what is this girl doing? I stuttered. I went up on my lines. I was a nervous wreck. I was shy. Um, I, I didn't understand character. And I know they were like, why is she even in this class? She's just awful. She needs to like put, her, <laughs> like, put, her, put herself out of all of our misery and just quit and just go be a bartender or something, right? Go do something else with your life. And I was like, I'm not giving up. I had no right. I don't know. Looking back, I don't know what I was doing. I just wasn't going to give up until I figured it out. I'm 57, still trying to figure it out. You sure got a lot of parts. And one that I remember was was um, falling down with Michael Douglas. And I, I've uh, heard this story before where you were filming falling down. And just as those riots were breaking out in downtown Los Angeles, right? Can I tell you that was, uh, I think about that. I think about that and I just get shoved up and down my body. I was, <laughs> I was sculpting male nudes. Yes, I was in a sculpting class, sculpting naked men. That's a little thing I like to do. Uh-huh. Um, hey, man, like I said, you got to be curious in life, right? right? You got to find life exciting. Um, I mean, that's so much more fun than like sculpting a pot <laughs> right. or a bowl. Uh-huh. Anyways, so I was doing that in Santa Monica, and someone said, oh, my God, have you watched the news? I said, no, I'm sculpting. So, we again, no cell phones, right? No cell phones. But somebody was listening to the radio on the way in and said, turn on the TV and there's TV in the sculpting class. I don't know why. And then we saw on the TV what everybody was watching. And I was waiting for my set call the next day to go downtown to shoot my scene. They were like, uh, are you still going down there? And I'm like, I don't know. So I called the first AD and I said, hey, are we still filming? And he's like, yeah, as far as I know, I go, have you seen the TV? There's World War III going on, you know, and I drive a Bronco, by the way. You know, I'm like, dude, I go I'm not going down there. You're going to find another whammy burger. <laughs> right. And they were like, you know, right. And they're like, well, you know, until we uh, hear word, we're filming. And I'm like, whoa. So finally, about an hour later, he called back and said, we're not filming. I'm like, you think? <laughs> you, are you right? Dude. So then I think the saddest part was probably a month, a month later, we went down there with the National Guard all around us. Oh, man. And yeah, and let me tell you, the, the the embers were still hot, the smoke was still there, the destruction was devastating, and all of a sudden, doing that scene, it was different, because before, when you read the script, it meant one thing. The movie actually was very much about what happened. Yeah. And we were filming, so it, it, was, it changed, I think, everybody's kind of energy about it. Um, really sad. And then I went back about a week or two later, and I did a photo shoot, I think for Hello Magazine in London, and with a beautiful like evening gown, walking through a building that had burnt down downtown to, is a way to try to, I don't know, say there'll be beauty here again, there'll be life here again. Um, I don't know if that, that wow. came through, but that was, I tried to just go down and embrace, try to give a little light in a, a lot of dark at that time. Isn't that crazy, though, the way... The world works sometimes. Yeah, it's well, and of course, with Big Sky, it's it's just such a, a wonderful show. And I, if if you don't mind, I'd like to ask about some of the interesting castmates that you work with. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, there's like a plethora of amazing actors on this show, right? Well, let me ask you about first of all John Carroll Lynch, who plays Trooper Ligarski. I mean, there aren't many there aren't many actors who can play dramatic and funny as well as he can, and he's done it all, hasn't he? 
You know, John is so amazing because he does have these nuances. He is such a smart man. He's a smart actor. And um, it's I love watching him work. I mean, he's even just even in the roundtable readings where we're just reading the script. He's just alive. You know, his choices are like we call them hot choices. He makes hot choices. I think that he also understands something about comedy. Comedy generally comes from a dark place. Generally. Yeah. I'm not right. And he understands that. And there's that blend of darkness with humor. Um, you know who else does that really well, which made them a, a, a fantastic pair with Brian. Brian, who plays um, Ronald, Ronnie. Right. <laughs> um, he also has, but he, he does it, but in a different way. But it's that same kind of dark humor where you go, I don't want to laugh, but I kind of have to. <laughs> Why am I laughing? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're making me really uncomfortable making you laugh right now. I really, you know what I mean? You're, you're like this psycho killer and I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, well, really it's wrong. true. It's true. I, I love everything he does, by the way, Brian Garrity. And the actress who plays yeah. his mom is so good on this, too. You know what's really fun? Here's some trivia. Valerie is amazing. Oh, my God. Isn't she amazing? And she, again, is the sweet. She and Brian and John are like the sweetest people. And they're just playing these really jacked up characters, which I love. Um and she just did a movie with my sister called The French Exit, I believe. And I think she and my sister both are nominated. So isn't that fun? Nice. Um, yeah. I know. She finished that with my sister. They finished that. That was coming out when she came here. And she's like, oh, he's working with your sister. I'm like, oh, my God. What a small world. And it gets even better. My sister is also right now, as we speak, she is filming here. I'm pitching her. Um, <laughs> like she's pitching, right? Uh, but I'm so proud to say my sister is uh, doing the Betty Ford story. Oh, great. And being in, this, and being in recovery from, um, from um, alcoholism and all of my, my friends who are recovering from alcohol and meth and heroin and gambling and food. And I mean, addicts and addicts. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what your drug of choice is. And addiction is addiction. All my friends were so honored and proud, but more so me that my sister's playing one of us. And I just wanted to say that, that, you know, when people watch her, and I'm sure it'll be brought up because I'm now talking about my recovery in the press, and I want them to know that, you know, my family's very involved in it, and they're asking questions. They, they're not addicts. They don't understand me. But yet, that doesn't mean they're not trying to at least leave room for what it means to be living in a house, because it is a family dynamic. Not in a house, sorry. Not living in a house, but living in an environment when you have somebody in the family who goes from... The identified problem to the identified possibility. And that's who I am. Oh, that's family unit. That's well said. Well, and you know, you you uh, promoting your sister so much. I Michelle, I sure hope that she has a good career. I think she's gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wish her well. I really do. Yeah. God, yeah. I'll have to tell her that she owes me. <laughs> she owes me some publicity cash. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because it's just so Again, the way the world works. I did a movie called Falling Down right when the riots blew up. I'm doing this crazy movie called Big Sky right when the world needs a little time out from the pandemic. And then my sister out of nowhere is doing Betty Ford when I'm in recovery. This, her doing Betty Ford, had I still been in, in, in my uh, disease, would have been very scary for me. Really right. scary. So now it's so, and I know it probably would have been scary for her. Anybody has anybody in the family who's struggling with any kind of addiction, it's it's very difficult. It's very hard to have the conversations. I do want to be part of the solution by saying uh, I, I'm talking about it. It's not easy. It makes me really vulnerable, but it's important. One person's listening to this going, wow, she's really just talking about it. It's like, yeah, 
That's how you start. And I'm glad you are. My my late father was an alcoholic, and I, oh, I often wonder how he felt, you know, when he heard about the real Betty Ford, because he was around when she was going into her whole situation, trying to recover and, and everything. And we never had that conversation because he came from a generation where you, where you just didn't talk about stuff. Oh, guess what? I learned how to be an alcoholic, alcoholic from the best, my dad. And I say that because my dad was a high-functioning alcoholic. And so I, I learned how to be a high-functioning alcoholic. We're right. very high-functioning. I got A's in college. I raised my kids really well. I never drank at school or in front of the camera. I got jobs. You know, I checked all the boxes. Never drank during their pregnancy or, or any of that kind of stuff, right? Checked all the boxes, but that did not mean an, it, that I did not have a problem, right? So um, just, you just learn how to hide it really well. And it's, it's um, I can tell you one thing what your dad probably experienced. I can't speak for everybody, but I know that my, my friends, because I went to rehab, right? And really, that's where you really learn what's going on with, with um, addiction. We have a lot of uh, self-loathing. We, we self-loathe ourselves. There's a lot of shame. Yeah. Shame is one thing you will notice. You talk to anybody, they'll say shame. You're riddled with shame. No doubt. And it's and I bet your 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 father, like my father, um, had that. And um, I look back actually at my father, and he he wasn't the best that he could have been because of his disease, right? And so I had the choice to say this is going to stop in, in my generation, right? And so God forbid my children end up with an addiction, I can be a soft landing for them. Right, and here's a soft landing, and show them what recovery looks like. You've done such great stuff. You've accomplished a lot now over the last few years. You must just think to yourself, "I'm really something." <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> well, you I should. Know. Actually, I was on the set yesterday, and like, <laughs> I was like, I need another pair of spanks because I'm eating too many potatoes. <laughs> and I'm still single, and I need to get a date one day. And, and I'm like over here thinking, Dee needs to, you know, and, and I don't smoke anymore. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't drink anymore. And I'm like, I'm not. I don't go out and do anything because of the pandemic. <laughs> it's like potato, kettle, jalapeno kettle chips. Are my best friend. I and, am totally uh, there with you. When they say COVID nineteen, right? I, I think I've put on the COVID nineteen in the past year. That's like, for sure. COVID-20. Yeah. 20 pounds over here, like COVID-20. What are we looking at, Didi? Are we looking at multiple seasons of Big Sky? You know, let's hope so. From your beautiful mouth to ABC's beautiful earball. Because we're over here waiting. We just need them to pick us up. The numbers are solid. We have a great, great fan base. Thank you so much, all of everyone out there listening and watching us. Um, We have beautiful fans. Like, I have some just fantastic, they're just such sweet people who follow me on Instagram and stuff, they're, they say really nice things and they love my bird stories. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, like my, I'm like, I know this is stupid, but they're like, no, it's really sweet that you named him Gilligan and Skipper and Gypsy and Gangsta. I have, they're all great names. But yeah, so we're hoping for a second season. We should find out, I think in about a month, they'll give us our pickup or not. Um, I'm, I'm putting all the good energy out there that we get a second season. Now, remember, Big Sky is, um, a, uh, a trilogy of books from C.J. Box. So the first season was like The Highway. And then it's going to bottleneck into another storyline, which is what we're filming now, which is The Kleinfossers. Wait, you think your family's dysfunctional? I, Whoa. <laughs> wait till you see this. Yeah, we got a whole other storyline coming up, which is another book of C.J. Box. What he does is he, his books bleed into each other. 
So David, I think, got the rights to like three or four of them. And that's basically what Big Sky is about. It's like the books bleed into each other. Well, when does it return and how many episodes are we looking at on this next group of shows here? We, oh, the next, uh, let's see, that. Well, you, got, you guys stopped at nine, right? And we filmed to 16. Okay. So what is that? Six, seven. So there's eight more coming up. Like right now, we're, as we speak, we're finishing the, this, this next eight that's going to be coming out. And then if we get picked up for another season, we're hoping to get 22, which would land us throughout the year. And that would be super fun. Because um, otherwise, I think we'll get picked up for like half a season, which is like 13, I think. Yeah, with the networks, they pick up chunks at a time unless you're just doing really well. Um, I really feel positive about it. I think that they do a brilliant, beautiful job of casting incredible actors. The first book, The Highway, which is big, the, the first um, season with John and, and everybody, just fantastic, fantastic. Some of those characters will bottleneck neck into the next book. Some will not. Some will survive. Some will not. I can't say <laughs> any more than that. I can't tell you. I can't tell you. All right, all right. I'm not going to try to. I'm not going to try to drag it out of you. <laughs> but I, I, I will. T- I don't even know if I'm going to live in this. This. This series anybody can go right now i'm still alive i can tell you that feel i feel very lucky to have to have talked to you you're you're really a a great person it's nice talking to you and i sure hope that we see a lot more of you in the future whether it's big sky or something moving forward oh thank you so much jim i I really appreciate it and i love talking to you but i'll have to be back when we have more episodes, because you're going to want to have a conversation about the Klein Saucers. That oh. is a jacked up family. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. jacked up family. <laughs> Dee Dee, nice talking to you, and, and please stay well and say hi to your birds for me. I will. Thank you, Jim. You have a beautiful day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And actually, say, <laughs> say hi to your birds doesn't exactly sound right, does it? Oh, well, it's almost hard to believe that Big Sky hasn't been officially renewed yet. I think it will be, and you know that we'll see more of her on screen in the future. That finishes up this episode of the Fake Show Podcast with Dee Dee Pfeiffer. Hope you liked it. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. 